Hi, I'm Natalia. I'm Gen Z. I'm Molly, a millennial. This is Arnisha, Generation X. And I'm Micah, the boomer. And, and we, we are Dame, Dame Talk. Talk. Four women, four generations, four unique points of view. This is Molly, and today we are talking about an issue that uh, I think we all know about, but we want to get into it a little bit. Um, why are there more men in the C-suite than there are women? So C-suite, of course, is CEO, COO, CMO, all those um, very senior level uh, positions at companies. And so according to a couple studies in 2019, uh, women make up just 21 to 25% of all C-suite level uh, positions in the United States. Um, just 6% of CEO roles, uh, and women of color make up only 4% of positions in the, in the C-suite. Um, we also know that the only role where there is gender parity is the um, chief human resource officer, where 55% um, are made up by women across industries. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's so Which is, you know, That's not surprising. That's, That's not surprising. Like it's not surprising. Yeah. So we can get into that, why we think it's not surprising. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's true. Um, and then we also know that uh, while women make up 73% of the nonprofit workforce, uh, they make up only 45% of nonprofit CEOs. Um, women make up 72% of all K-12 through educators in the United States, and yet only 14% of superintendents are women. So this is a, we see this disparity across sectors, across industries, um, across, uh, across companies, sizes, demographics, everything. For-profit, non-profit. For-profit, non-profit, public, it's private. just consistent. It's just consistent. <laughs> so, dames, let's open it up. Okay. Why do we think this is going on? And this is not, this is a, both, all of those numbers are actually inched a little higher than they were in previous years, right? So in 2019, we were actually probably Better. the highest that, that we've ever been of seeing women in these, in these high-level roles. And so what's going on here? What has been going on here? Well, I mean, we live in a patriarchal society. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we can see men are not willing to give up power. Um, and so if they're already in a position of power, then you look for someone who looks like you to bring them along. Because that's often how it happens in an organization. Someone sees something in you, and then they start giving you those plum assignments. They start putting you in leadership roles, even at a junior level. You you know, might lead a small project. You know, you might lead a meeting. So all of a sudden, you get visibility. So you know, as as long as I'm looking for someone who reminds me of me, you know, you're going to get that men looking at other men to do to replace them or to join them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think part of that is just going for someone that you're comfortable with, that reminds you of you. And as long as men are in power, that will continue to happen. Yeah, I, the, I agree with that. I think that the system is completely set up for mm -hmm. women to not get into those places. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, were, when you started talking, I knew there was a quote from um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's, one of my quotes that I actually like um, from her. And she says, I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off of our necks. Mm -hmm. And to yep. me, wow. that's really, that just <laughs> nails the, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like we're not mm -hmm. asking, I don't want special treatment, mm -hmm. right? It's the same thing as being a black woman. I yeah. don't want special yeah. treatment. I just want to be treated 
fairly. So if I'm as qualified as a man for that role, then evaluate me fairly. Don't hold against me that I'm a mother. Don't hold against me that, you know, I might've come into the workforce a little late. Like there, there's so many things that are held against women that prevent women from advancing um, in, 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 in the workplace that it's just, it, it's completely, completely unfair. And it just, it angers me because I do feel that it, it's set up in a way where, yeah, your foot, their, their feet sometimes can be on your neck because it's, it's, it's almost conditioned to hold you down. So you can't, you just can't break through the glass ceiling because they're going to push you back. They're going to hold you down. And it will be done in a way where you kind of feel like, okay, well, you know, I've, I've, at least I've, you know, I've, I've made some progress, but just imagine if you were treated fairly, how much more progress you could have made because you have the same exact credentials. So let me ask you this. When, like when you bring up the fact, don't hold against me that I have children. Right. So if you're a woman and you have a child and, and this is part of that whole patriarchal society, right? You're expected to, when your child is sick, to go home for with that child. Like it's so, and, and then if you say you, there's a man and a woman and they're both managers and they're both going after director role, the woman has a child and that child has taken up time from her either leaving work early or coming to work late. Should that man now be, should they, do you still think they're equal, right? As long as the work is being done, yes, right? Because it, it, for the man, and, and it's not as common, but for the man, what if he's taking care of a parent, right? An elderly parent, and he has to leave and take them to a doctor's appointment. He has to, if you are able to get the job done within the time that's allotted, and you're as effective as a man, even if you do have to go and do something with your children, you should be treated the same. But see, I think in most situations, it's not just about doing the job. There's a certain amount of visibility you have to have. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of time that it takes for people to to know that you, you know, to get to know you. And so there's the um, culture and the politics that you have to play right now, because that's just how it's designed. Right, right. And you might not necessarily be able to play them if you have to take time away because you have children. Yeah, but your children aren't sick all the time. Not sick, but it could be other things. I mean, I just feel that women take the predominant role in their children's life for the most part. Mm -hmm. There are exceptions, mm -hmm. but for the most part, right? Um, which is why we had the whole Leave it to Beaver life, the, like the, the stay-at-home mm -hmm. mom, you know? Mm -hmm. So now if you're taking a predominant role in your child's life and you want to be there for their special events, if you want there for them when they're sick, if you want to take them to school or you want to pick them up, whatever it is. And your male counterpart is not necessarily doing that yet. The culture and the politics call for you to be more visible and be in the office, you know? So yeah, that, my argument is you are a couple things. You are in the office most of the time you as a working mother, you just are. And, most of the, when I'm saying most of the time, I mean like you're not leaving every day to right. go tend right. to a sick child. You're not leaving every day to go to a play. To, you're right. not doing that. So you're, you're probably, are you a little less visible perhaps than the person who's in there every single day until maybe, maybe. But even once I pull that out of the, the equation, almost every single working mother that I know or that I knew, because my son is, is, is older now, worked extremely hard on her professional career so that her family life did not cause her professional life to suffer. Right. So 
I'm not saying that there are times that she wasn't, that I wasn't there or that you, you're not there because yeah, you don't want to miss the important things. Okay. You want to try not to miss the important things. Right. But you work super hard because you don't want that to be something that is used against you. Right. So, okay. Yep. I did leave early for a play or I didn't go to, I didn't, I didn't go to hang out and drink afterwards because I wanted to see my kids before they went to bed. Right. right? But did I do things well? Did I do it as well? Did I volunteer for other things? Did I make sure I was visible in other areas in the organization? The, a lot of the professional women that I know, they went above and beyond with that because they knew that they wanted to be able to do to do certain things with their kids. I, I think, though, if we don't get to the root of really the issue, because that man who's going out for drinks has kids at home, too. Right. right? And he does not feel the same need or obligation to be home. You know, so to me, there's even that underlying deep rooted issue around men's roles in the household versus a woman's role. And then it translates when you go to work mm-hmm. and how right and how it's viewed. Yeah. So, and there's even been some studies that have come out that show for uh, men when they have kids, their earnings increase in the job while right. women's decrease. Right. And the uh, it just pisses me <laughs> off because I know how hard these working moms are working, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, they are working more than what they're being compensated for in order to be effective, in order to be working moms. Right. It's a choice you make. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of making a choice. Right. Because if you're a single mother or if you have a lifestyle that requires that you have two of you working, I would say that most people in America, you know, aren't fortunate enough to only have a one income household. Okay, Um, it's just an expensive place to live. I just know how hard these women are working to be considered exactly that, working moms. It is a very difficult juggling act. And I think I said this before, there are times when you choose your your job or your career over your child. And that's not like a rare thing, that's a common thing, which is why when you do say, okay, today (laughs) I'm going to do this, I should not be penalized when it's time for a promotion because of this place. Let's say it's even five times a year where I've chosen to give some time back to my child when I've gone up. I've chosen 50 times to not do that and to be in the workplace and to go above and beyond. I shouldn't be penalized for that. But the system is set up. I think some of it is roles. Some of it. I don't think all of it is roles, to be honest. Um, I, I, I just think that a big, and I'm saying gender roles. I don't think, I, what I think a big part of it is, it's just, it's a, it's a club. It's an old boys club that is just that we don't want anybody else in it. We just don't want anybody else in it. Yeah. I think it's roles. Cause you ever hear the term working dad? Nope, nope. No. Okay. Have you, but you've heard a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. a working mom, but not a working dad. Mm-hmm. And they're working dads since the beginning of time, right? Mm-hmm. We would, you know, when women were in the workplace as much as they were, mm-hmm. they were they didn't call themselves working dads. Mm-hmm. They just work. I think they're. I think the just the sexism that we have is so prevalent, and it's to me. That's a larger contributor around how women are struggling in the workplace than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like we're really centering around this idea of bias. 
Okay. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like this sounds like like yeah. there's the sexism that's built into how we view mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also realities of how they're treated then in the workplace and, and the, the realities of, of being expected to balance the work life and personal life more than a quote unquote working dad, which is not a term that we hear. <laughs> yeah, sure. We need to start using that. Yeah. Are you a working dad? Okay. Where are your kids yeah. while you're at work? Um, <laughs> And I think that's huge. I think it's one of the things that we, that gets cited frequently. I think it's something that, you know, we've maybe all seen. Um, another one that I heard from that some people were thinking and for a while was, you know, one of the excuses of why there were fewer women in senior level positions is that there weren't enough qualified women in the pipeline. And so this is one that people <laughs> like to say that, oh, well, there just aren't, there just aren't enough women who have the experience or the drive or the motivation to, to be senior level executives. So that's, that's the problem. And to me, that's like pushing it off. Like that's not the problem. The, we have so many yeah, qualified yeah, women in the, workplace, yeah. in the pipeline in the workplace. But that goes back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How are you supposed to even gain experience when you're not given the chance? You know? Right. Right. It's yeah. the roles that you give them. But also it, I wonder if it's men and very quickly will come in and say, I want to be a CEO or I want to be a CMO. They know they they pinpoint that senior executive role very early on in their careers. They make it very vocal. They let everyone know this is what I'm striving for. And then, you know, everyone's catering if they see them as as that potential leader to make sure they get what they need. I don't know. As women, do we one early enough in our careers? know I want to be a CMO. And let it be known. Or do we like, let's see how I do. I have to make sure I'm really good at this. You know, do we hold ourselves back in some instances and not kind of put a stake in the ground of where we want to be from a senior level standpoint? I, I think there's we what we uh, are not talking about is the amount of nepotism that happens at that level. The amount of people grooming people to or selecting people that they're going to pull along, people that they're going to put in specific positions. And we are just not included in that. There are industries where the majority of the people in it went to the same exact Ivy League college, same exact Ivy League grad schools. Their network is very strong and very tight. And the goal is to put another one just like me in there or put his son in there or put his nephew in there. It does not include expanding that. And those are companies that Truthfully, you know, they're making a lot of decisions to drive things, to drive our economy, you know, especially when you think about financial industry and those industries. I don't think we can ignore that. That's why I go back to the system is set up to exclude. It's set up to exclude us. If you if you are not a part of that network, it's not just women. You know, when you seriously, it's anybody that's not in that group. So if you're not a part of the group that went to the Ivy League schools, that has the connections, that has the the likelihood of you breaking into that and becoming that, it's so slim. It's so slim. So I I do, I go back to this. I do think it goes beyond the roles. I think it's it's this tight, tight club, Mm -hmm. you know, of people that know each other. And if I don't deal with six degrees of separation, if I don't know you, I know my roommate from college knows somebody. It's such a small click 
of people that are running these companies. And I would bet that 90% of them know each other. And the goal is to keep it that way. It's easier to keep people out than it is to pull people in. Of course. But I think those same networks, they know women too. It's yeah. not like they don't know. that There are women that are part of that network. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? So, I mean, they you just go on LinkedIn and you can see like, women and men are all networked, whether it be because they work together in the same job or whether they went to the same school. So I think that um, it, it's, I don't know that it's a networking thing. I mean, being in the same network, but I, I really feel that it's like anything else. You have to sometimes eliminate some of the barriers that could be preventing you from making it. And then, you know, you have to continue to deal with some of the things that you may feel like you have no control over. Like you said, so if, if it's a tight club and I don't want you in my club, but I have to make it known to you that I want to be in your club as soon as I, as I can to eliminate that barrier. I didn't know you wanted to be a a CMO. You know, I just see it as knocking down some of the restrictions that could prevent you from being acknowledged. So here are a couple of uh, a couple of studies and what what they've kind of done some research to figure out what is the point? What is the like what is the point Please. in a woman's career? All right, who's right, who's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're both right. <laughs> I am the neutral party here. Um, uh, so I think no, but I think absolutely you're both right. Um, and so there's been a couple of, of studies, many studies um, that have been done, but a couple that have been you know, more recent or kind of highlight two pieces of it. So the uh, McKinsey Women in the Workplace study, uh, I think it happens every year. And in 2019, they identified, they really focused on this idea of um, the broken rung in the ladder. Mm-hmm. So rather than a glass ceiling that women hit a certain point in their career and then they hit this glass ceiling and they can't advance beyond that, it's actually a broken rung further down in the ladder um, that because it's broken, women are automatically missing out then on future future opportunities. So it found that um, wow. even though women make up, they found that women made up 48% of entry-level workers, um, but they make up just 38% of first-level managers. So they get knocked out I mean, very, very quickly. quickly. So oh. for every 100 men that are promoted or hired into, their, into a first-level management position, just 72 women are. And so automatically you start seeing that women are missing out on that first opportunity to become managers. Right. Um, And so therefore they're automatically set at a disadvantage then as they progress in their careers, because maybe they get to that management position later. Maybe they don't ever get to it at all. Yeah. Um, And that means money. And that means money. It means experience. It means your title has changed. And so you see that men are getting to those, those senior level positions sooner. More of them are getting there. Um, and so they, they really honed in on this, like, how do we get more women uh, into this first level of management? Because then they're, they're better set up for, for future. Uh, and I have a perfect example of that. When I first came out of business school, and this is to your point, I came out of business school. It was me and this other man um, that went to University of Michigan. So we both had our MBAs from the same school. And he got promoted before I did into the next level. Um, but he got a better assignment. So he was on the brand side, which is supposed to be more desirable when you're working for, um, a CPG company or package goods company. And 
every time I felt like I was, you know, they would tell me I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to prove this. I need to prove that. So we were same school, you know, same, you know, I would say working just as hard, you know, there were, in a matter of fact, he actually had a kid mm-hmm. while I, you know, at the, you know, during, right, he got married, right. He got married and had a kid while we we're both, you know, competing, but technically we weren't competing because they could have promoted both of us. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, it was different roles, different uh, sides of the business, but I still had to work so much harder to try to get to that next level. And then you start questioning yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You start losing confidence. Yeah. Then you start thinking, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe, you know, you start hearing those things in your mind and then that only perpetuates itself and makes it worse so you can't get out of it. Right. That's and right. then you feel like shit. Right. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very yeah. true. You know, I, one of the things I think that um, as a as as a black woman, I'm going to, I, I don't want to speak broadly. I, I just want to talk about what is something that we always said in our family. There are always going to be barriers. We know for a fact, or I'm going to say short term for black people. We just know. That's just the reality of it. We could do research up the wazoo to support that. So in in our family, it was always you equip yourself as much as you possibly can so that that's not something that can be used against you. So, okay, you think you want to go into business? Get a degree. When I, I never, I didn't finish my master's, but it was you think you want to go into business you got to get your man. You got to get your bachelor's. You have to get it. If my son were business minded, which he wants to go in a completely different direction, but if he were, I tell you, you have to get a master's. Like because there's you. You are already. There's always going to be short term a bias that sees you come in as a African American as a black man. So you already have that bias against you. You don't want there, if you want to try to eliminate as many of the other things that you could be crossed off the list for. So if it's not being, not having a degree, then you got to get your degree. If it's not having internships, then you got to get internships. Like whatever could possibly be used against you, you want to try to work those glitches out now so that when you're the other bias, you're not dealing with 15 biases as opposed to hopefully just one. So it's the same. we can't change. We can't choose our, our own sex. We weren't able to change, change our sex. I would still be woman anyway. But anyway, yes. if it, but we can't that those things are out of are completely out of our control, right? So when I hear when it just when I hear about the challenges that we have to face as women, when I hear about the challenges that Micah and I and, and, and Natalia's Latina, um, that we have to face as as women of color and just those things that keep continue to hold us down, it's extremely frustrating because nine times out of 10, we're working, if not as hard, harder, because we know that this bias is coming. So how am I, I got to overcome it? I have to show that I work as hard, if not harder. I have to show, you know, I know I have to be twice as good. Like there's so much pressure that comes along with feeling like you can't, I can't just be as good as everybody else and be successful. I have to be at least twice as good in order to be successful. And that is the dialogue that's probably happening in most 
homes, I, I'm going to, most, I know most of my friends that are African-American, it happened in their homes. You know, when you're raising your kids, you, you, you realize you're not going to be treated the same, right? <laughs> I, I don't care where I brought you up. You know, I don't care how liberal an environment you're in. I want you to know that the actual reality is you're not going to be treated the same. You, you just aren't. So because of that, you need to prepare yourself in other ways. And part of it is being better than some of your counterparts. Just recognize that that's part of it. You got to be better. You're not always going to be the smartest person in the room, but you better be better at somebody than somebody else in that room. Yeah. It's not fair, but it's, it's true. It's true. You have to be. So knowing that some of these things, a lot of these things, I mean, I think that's, although those are really good points of things that are outside our control. Right. And knowing that there are going to be these barriers that we have no control over and we can try to be better than everybody else in the room always. But we know that women, especially women of color, have been doing that for years and it's not been enough yet. Right. Right. So how do we, what can we actually do? Um, So looking at this kind of broken rung or looking at the other side of glass ceiling of women getting to the senior levels, but then not getting to those, those C-suite levels. Um, what, what do we actually have in our control that we can, that we can do? Helping each other. Mm. Helping each other education. Cause think about it. If women come in and if we're, we start off at 48% of the work, See, junior levels, yeah. right? Which actually, levels. I feel like that's a little higher. I've seen that we're actually about 51, 52. Yeah, I can see that because more women are actually percent. getting their college degrees than men. Yep. Anyway, so I think if we just start helping each other and yeah. looking out for each other, that would go a long way, yeah. right? If we saw, you know, and not necessarily to be biased against men, because obviously, you know, if you have a, a man and a woman on your team and they're equal, you know, giving that woman a shot and, and trying to give her that visibility like a man would give another man. You know, we have to stop thinking that if I help you, it'll look bad on me. I think a lot of times women want to don't want to want to feel so objective, like they're being so objective, so fair. Forget fair. You know, like if someone's really good and you see potential in them, maximize it. Help them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we have to help each other. I think we need the men. I think it's, oh, it's just yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like in yeah. civil rights. We yeah. couldn't do it on our own. We just couldn't, you know. So we were able to achieve that with the help of a lot of white people joining with us and mm-hmm. saying, this is the right thing to do. We need the men to join with us, the ones that are really going to let us break in. And they need to join with us and say, you know what, this is not right. It's yeah. not. We got to let them in. It's yeah. as simple as that because yeah. they're the ones that are already there. Yeah. They're the ones that it's easy for them to say, all right, come on, we got to let, they're the ones calling the shots. So they're the ones that have to say, we got to, we got to broaden this. We got to let more of them in. We, we have to. That's, I think, honestly, that's the only way for it to happen. And how do quickly. you get them to feel that way? Uh, some of it goes back to what Natalia said about education. I I struggle with it because I know they know. <laughs> you know yeah. I, I know they already know. They know these stats, but it's yeah. nice being at the top, right? <laughs> so, yeah, and that's a really good point of, like, they know. Maybe they don't know. The other part is, like, I think mm. we know that, I think they can look around and say, oh, there's only 20% of the people here are women in amongst the C-suite. But this uh, this study went went further and said, you know, what do people think right now is the is the barrier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where what do we think it is? And so, uh, HR leaders 
Um, 47% of HR uh, leaders thought that it was be think that it's because women don't receive as much sponsorship. Yeah. So I want to come back to the sponsorship first mentorship here in a minute because I learned a little bit about it and mm -hmm. we got to dive into it. Um, and then 45% say that there are too few qualified women in the pipeline. So HR professionals are saying 45% of them are get, are saying that there aren't enough qualified women in the pipeline. Then if you ask men what the biggest challenges are, 21%, the highest number, said there are too few qualified women in the pipeline. The next one, 14%, women are judged by different standards. Okay. Women, so what are women saying is what they think the biggest challenges are. 40%, women are judged by different standards. 32%, women don't receive as much sponsorship. And then 19%, women are less likely to be promoted to the first manager roles. So we see that women are more aware of this idea of, you know, at the at the lower point in your of your career of getting that first opportunity to become a manager. But other groups, HR leaders and men, who to the to the point of like we gotta bring them in, they gotta be part of the solution too. They're the ones in the C suite, they don't recognize those as the top. The the they don't think that those are the challenges. Well, and they're saying that it's because there aren't enough women in the pipeline, which we know empirically is not true. We know that there are women, plenty of women who are qualified. Yeah. Um, so how do we how do we get them to actually understand where are those points that the system being the people who are in control mm -hmm. uh, where they can actually make a difference if they don't if what they believe isn't matching with actual facts. Well, what scares me though is that the HR people said that there's not qualified women, and they're the ones that can make sure they're the hiring them. Once they're in, they can make sure they get the development that they need, the training, the assignments. HR can guide that. So that, to me, is the most frightening statistic that you just said. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, it's like very hard to recognize privilege once you have it. Um, I can say, like personally, like I am Hispanic, but I can pass very easily for a white person. So obviously, like when I give in a resume, I have to put that I am Hispanic or other, um, like for my race. But when I actually go in for an interview for a type of position, I like it's sad to say, but I know that I'll have like a higher chance of probably getting the job than let's say like a darker Hispanic person or a black person or something like that which sucks to say, but like, I know it. But when you grow up with that, like as a man, um, like you, obviously you don't like have firsthand experience of what like women go through or like what minorities go through or something like that. And you can never have that experience because that's like, just not your situation, which isn't like a, a bad thing. Like you can't like just change your race or change your sex or something like that, like overnight. Um, so I don't know. It's just like, I think the knowledge of being more empathetic towards another person's situation mm -hmm. is what's really going to help like bring men into the conversation because like the people that like think that, Oh, this, there's not enough women that are qualified for this position. That's not true. And you like are saying that because you don't know better, I guess. But so, I think they know privilege and they don't want to give it up. That's mm -hmm. a I absolutely think yeah. they know they that's, have privilege. And yeah. they do not. But if they admit it, then you have to do something about it. So yeah. right. I'm going to play dumb and admit, like, I don't have privilege. Right. I had a hard way to go. Right. You, you don't know my story. Yeah. 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 I heard somebody tell me, you, I mean, you don't know my story. <laughs> I don't want to know your story. <laughs> I just looked at her and laughed. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I think so. A lot of this is coming back again to like to to bias that we talked about, and mm -hmm. how do we? Yeah. So how do we 
Um, I think it's, you can't, you as an individual, I think us as individuals can't necessarily, we can't overcome somebody else's bias, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's their thing. Right. It's ingrained. That's inherently something out of our control. But I think as, as we think of ourselves as employees, um, I think we have a real opportunity to push HR to do a better job, to make sure that they know these stats and they know what's actually going on. Um, and so a few suggestions were, you know, let's have, um, you know, people who are hiring, whether the hiring manager or the people, the recruiters or whoever is involved in the hiring process to make sure that they're going through unconscious bias training um, so that we can identify all of these things that are both gender-based, racially-based uh, and other identities um, to, to root that out from the beginning. Um, and then I think once you're, we're looking at this, this idea of, you know, fewer women are promoted into their, you know, first level management position, then it also has to be internal. So anyone who's giving an evaluation or is working with, um, anyone who has direct reports, really probably all employees, um, should get this training as well so that we can start being aware of what's going on and really questioning our own, our own biases that we have, um, and so I mentioned before that there was this, this distinction with sponsorship and mentorship. So one of the things that, that they've found, um, too, not in this study but in others, um, is this idea that uh, men are more likely to seek um, sponsorship relationships versus mentorship. And so sponsorship is the way it was described, was that it's um, somebody who's helping you, a sponsor is somebody that's helping you because they think that it will ultimately benefit them. Um, so it's kind of, it's more of a quid pro quo. I will support you. I will sponsor you. Um, you know, if you then, uh, support me and, and, you know, getting what I need, um, versus mentorship, you're often becoming a mentor because, you know, out of the goodness of you think this person deserves, you want to help them. It's more of an altruistic, um, endeavor. And so there was a hypothesis that, you know, maybe men are more comfortable asking for this type of sponsorship or are, uh, more comfortable becoming a sponsor and really being able to ask for, okay, I'll help you, but you help mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. um, versus women are more likely to look for that mentorship relationship or to become a mentor. Um, so one of the, one of the quotes that, that came out was uh, um, during uh, a different study done last year in 2019 um, through corn Ferry, we interviewed dozens of current and formal former female CEOs, and the majority of them said they hadn't even considered vying for the top spot until they had a sponsor tell them that they were well-suited for the role. Mm. And so being able to have somebody to tell you, mm. no, I think you do a really good job at that. We, if you, you never have anyone who tells you you can do that or right. who's willing to, even if they're looking for, maybe looking for something in return, they think if you become CEO, maybe they'll get right. right. Um, but that goes back to, we should know, like we should have the confidence in the beginning to say, yeah. if you want to be a CEO, say, you, be a CEO. Don't wait for somebody to say you're right. You exactly. should, right? Exactly. That's such a woman thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that, go, I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's, it's just interesting. You, you said that. And I remember just being when, when I was younger and I was just thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I remember saying that I wanted to be a, um, brand uh, to be a the president of a small beauty brand yeah. um and it's something that truthfully i have not really aspired to i said it as a you know when i was younger this is what i want to be 
president of a small beauty brand and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you know, when you're, you're thinking about your future. And it's something that I didn't aspire to. I think I've shared that I was a, you know, I was a chief marketing officer at my, at my last job, a small entrepreneurial company. But recently I was networking with somebody at a PE firm and we were just talking about general things, different general companies. And he said to me, he said, I don't have any CEO roles available now. But if something comes if something comes up, I'll definitely let you know, especially if I'm looking for somebody with and he started talking you know a little bit about my background. And it reminded me of what I had said when I was younger because again, I'm not pursuing a CEO role. Mm-hmm. you know I've I've worked at enough smaller companies and had enough interaction with the CEO that that's a big, that, you know, those yeah. are some big shoes to fill. You know, they, they really, really are. It comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah, the pay is lovely, but it comes with a lot to run a, to run a company. Um, and I, I think that, you know, sometimes when, you know, as, as women, when we see that, you know, and we see all the other things that we're currently running, that you might not say, I want to be a CEO, only because you're juggling that with <laughs> running so many other things. You know, it's not a, it, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge task. And, and I know I'm going to probably tick y'all off, but when you said that they said there aren't enough qualified women, I said, let me think about this a different way. And if we're not even being promoted into management roles, then guess what? There might not be enough qualified mm-hmm. women yeah. in those, for those more senior roles. Yeah. You know, there really might not be. They're automatically cut out of the room. Right. Yeah. You, right. They screen, don't talk about why there's not right. enough But problem, you're right. screened out yeah. so early. Yeah. By the time they're looking for people to be executives or leadership, they might not have enough women there because you've been screened out so early. Yeah. So it might those stats might be kind of accurate, you know? Yeah. At and that if you, level. At, right, at that level. Yeah. So if you're balancing, is that a true aspiration for me at this stage in my career with... I might not even really be, it's not right. visible to me because I'm screened out down here. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not an easy thing. So I, I just wanted to add one, one, one point. We, I know we talk, we do, I'm, you know, I'm all, you know, I'm girl power all the way, but well, I'm going to say that most men out there are not bad. <laughs> I just want to be, Absolutely. I want to be clear. Most yeah, men no, out there are not bad. We are not bashing men. And I, I want to just encourage our listeners for, especially when you're starting to work, form good relationships with your counterparts overall. Mm-hmm. Because if women are being cut out at more junior rungs, that means the men are still climbing. And if you've established a relationship with somebody that was your colleague at this level, let's say three years down the road, he might be two levels above you. You have a relationship with him. You can easily go to him and say, well, I was thinking about this. I'm trying to get, do you know? His circle has changed, right? His circle is that is two levels above you, possibly. He can help bring you along. He can help because you've already established mm-hmm. that relationship. So, you know, I don't know if that's more of a sponsorship, you know, I, I don't know. But I'm saying that as they're climbing the ladder, if you've established a relationship with him, he's not going to think twice about it. He knows how you work. He was your counterpart. He was your colleague. And hopefully he's your friend, you know, and he'll just say, all right, okay, well, let me at least give you good advice to help you navigate the waters to help you, to help pull right. you along. Yeah. So, great. Well, sounds like we touched on a lot of things. I think we're all a little fired up. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, I think there are a few things. I think there are things that are out of out of our control, um, in which case we can do our best both as employees. And I think once we get into management roles, and I think 
you know, two uh, former C-suite level women sitting at our table here um, can talk about how, you know, once you're in that level, you got to bring people along and you have to fix the system from, from within. So how do we make sure that our HR teams and people who are responsible for hiring are, are going through unconscious bias training, are opening that door and are being really proactive with it. Um, and then I think things that are within our control of speaking up, you know, saying that you have a goal and this is what you want to do, um, saying it early, saying it often. Um, and then I think making those connections, building those relationships so that, you know, as your situation or as other people's situation at, in the workplace changes, you have those connections and those relationships and those maybe sponsorships and you can, you can tap into that. And I think be okay with asking for help, which is something else that we've talked about on other episodes. Um, and, um, uh, asking for help and also, uh, being open to, um, I think stepping outside your comfort zone yeah. a little bit for sure. You know, yeah. that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. That's a whole nother yeah. episode. <laughs> we could go into that all the time. But, uh, yeah. And so I think, I think, you know, I wish that we had good advice that was like, yep, tomorrow you can go out there and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. together we'll fix it. But I think, you know, to Arnisha, your point, this is like an ingrained systemic uh, issue for a whole lot of reasons. So but what can we as individuals, men and control, women, Men That's and right. women, That's right. yeah. Diving, um, you're right. It has, it takes both. It does to within solve our this. control yeah. and um, and beyond. Just being yeah. like aware of, of what's going on. Yeah. Right. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for for listening to this. Um, you know, very important topic, and hopefully, you know, we'll check back in on this topic and and, Absolutely. Uh, and see how things are progressing in the. In the world, maybe we'll bring some C-suite women along and hear what they have to say. Oh, that's absolutely! I think we can touch on a few different industries and and see how see how women have have done this. Yep, how they navigate it. Yep. All right, stay tuned. If you have any questions, email us at dametalk4 at gmail.com. That's dametalk and the number four at gmail. To learn more about us and these topics, check out our website at dametalkpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Dame Talk. We don't know everything, but we know enough.